Alrighty, welcome to the My Age Podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, My Age Podcast, if you haven't heard before. It's a conversation that brings you... It's a podcast, sorry, that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life using music to plot a map from their early years to how they got to where they are now, basically. Um, again, if it's your first time, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking it out. I hope you dig it. Uh, if it's not your first time, welcome back. Really appreciate it. And yeah, you're in for a treat. Um, as you would have seen by the uh, the name as it pops up on the app or whatever you listen to this via. Uh, my good friend Isaac Graham, singer, songwriter, troubadour, nicest human. You know, one, well, you know, there's a lot of nice humans out there and he's one of them. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. Um, I just want to say really quickly before I forget because I forgot last episode. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the following people. I won't use your last name, but, um, you know. I'll just shout you out anyhow. Uh, Officer Ben, um, Philip, Megan, Adam, and Elisa. Eliza? Elisa? Elisa? Um, I really, like, you guys have fucking gone above and beyond, and I really appreciate it. Um, Donated to the cause, the cause that is the My Age podcast. Um, Basically, the vibe is, if you think this episode's worth a dollar, or five, or, you know, some kind of currency, some kind of digital currency, um, feel free to flick us whatever you think it's worth um, to paypal.me slash myagepodcast you know um, if you think this episode's worth a dollar or any of the other episodes are worth a dollar send it over you can send as much or as little as you want um, and as always it's never expected it's always appreciated though um, and in this case yeah again thanks Ben Philip, Megan Adam and Alyssa um, yeah this is really appreciated and it means a lot um, again because I'm trying not to do any kind of advertising, not that I really would ever, um, no, I never say never, but you know, I try, I don't really ever envision doing any kind of advertising on this, I just do it for the love of it, um, but yeah, again, it's surprisingly expensive to do one of these, um, yeah, so, but you know, enough of that, today's episode, um, surprisingly not a long one, although we did this really late one night, um, and Isaac had an early, well, we both had early mornings, so uh, we kind of bang this one out pretty relatively quickly compared to the previous couple um last week's last month's one was like the longest i've ever done so that was that was a bit of fun and you know hopefully you dug that and yeah it felt like it went for an hour not three so yeah um i'll share all isaac graham's social medias on my social medias um definitely check out everything he's he's put everything he's got on spotify and then recently uploaded a bunch of those cover videos these cover videos that we talk about uh, on YouTube, um, you'll dig it. Like you just, if you're into, you know, that Frank Turner, Gaslight Anthem, singer-songwriter, you know, fantastic vocals, um, and great, just great acoustic pop songs. You'll get a kick out of it. Um, check, yeah. So I'll post those as well. Um, and if Isaac happens to be playing in your neck of the woods, I could couldn't highly recommend enough. If that makes sense go along and check it out because he's just fucking fantastic so with that let's check out the episode cool episode 29 of the my Age podcast um look i say it with almost everybody i put on but this is this is a very close friend of mine and you know if i i would say it if he wasn't on the other end of the phone um one of my favorite singer songwriters ever and i'm lucky enough to play in a band with him um isaac graham what's happening not a lot, Jolly. What's going on with you, mate? Oh, you know, just just recording a pod, just, just the, having a bit of fun. Doing the pod thing. 
I just yeah. watched that. Yeah. Um, I watched half of that um, Fire documentary on Netflix. Have you watched that? You yet? watched the Netflix one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell me how it ends. I've only watched half of it, but um, yeah, pretty pretty brutal. Where are you, where are you up to with it? They just got to the bit where I think the first lot of people had sort of just started arriving, and I just started raining actually. Yeah. And oh, uh, so the serial killer hasn't kind of oh, come out of the budget. <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry. You yeah. said no spoilers. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Right. No, it's a hell of a ride. Do you remember yeah. it happening? Look, I, you, like, do you remember it going down? I vaguely remember it. Like, I remember there being a bit of hype around it, but beyond that, like, yep. I don't. Yeah, I don't really remember. It's not really my kind of scene, so I, I guess I wasn't oh, tuned all. into it that much. But I do remember there being a bit of noise about it at the time. But yeah, it's really interesting yeah. to see it all in one package and kind of go, "Wow, that really was." Just uh, one big shitstorm. <laughs> shitstorm, yeah. yeah. Like I remember the only the only connection I had to it was I remember Blink. Like I remember the Blink saying, "Hey, we're canceling this show." Ah, uh, yeah, of course. And I was like, "Oh, that's really weird because that's not really something they do." They do, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so I thought, oh, that's 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 rather interesting. And then the yeah, well, I won't spoil it, but there's a there's an infamous <laughs> bit that kind of. Yeah, it brought everything to a head, and okay. you know, when you see it, you know what I'm talking about. Right, so, right. Yeah, okay, I'm looking forward to yeah. yeah watching the end of it. It's a hell of a watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's um, I guess let's jump into it. Let's cool. start at how we start them all. Yeah. Um, tell us about your parents, uh, their upbringing, kind of how they met, and that kind of thing. Yeah, without getting too deep. Yeah. Um. So I was when I was sort of reading through the question, I was like, this is a bit of a tricky one for me because my parents they split up when I was quite young, so like two or three. So in terms of my like my musical association with my parents, they're very, it's very separate. So my mum, I remember kind of. So I lived with my mum uh, mostly, and then kind of did weekends with my dad and uh, and stepmom and family over there. And so from my mum's side, I remember getting lots of like Queen and uh, Elton John and Janis Joplin and like really kind of powerful female singers like Ricky Lee Coulter and. And people like that so that was kind of the influence coming in through my mom and then on my dad's side I got like this kind of more like Americana rock type of stuff like the Eagles and John Mellencamp and Eric Clapton so I kind of got the sort of the best of both worlds the more sort of campy UK British stuff and then the more kind of rootsy Americana stuff on the other side so it was kind of an interesting it was kind of nice kind of upbringing in that respect um is your is your mum from the uk originally to to have that kind of influence or that's just kind of what she gravitated to that's just kind of what she so she grew up in um the country so she grew up in uh near coffs harbour in a town called barrowville and um so my dad grew up in the city and he sort of moved up there when he was young um and then they met obviously had myself and my brother daniel and um yeah so as i said but yeah they split up sort of i don't have much recollection of them sort of being together but um yeah i always remember music being like a really big part of like our our life there was always music there was like always a record player there was always cds and tapes and whatnot and there was always kind of music floating around and um yeah, so it was always a big part of, of my childhood. My dad, like, he's got a big influence on my music because he played guitar. Uh, and so, like, I would always see him sort of playing guitar and I think he really got me into playing guitar as a kid, which was really cool. 
did he play like as just for muck, shits and giggles and mucking around, or was he in a band at even at a younger age? Was he in a band or um, not? Not in the same way that I have been. Um, I think. I think he and my mom used to kind of perform together a little bit, like, but just really That's the kind cool. of small local stuff. Yeah, let's just kind of like. So my mom sang. She doesn't sing much these days, but yeah. So it was kind of like um, just a little folk duo, I think. Um, and so yeah, they they would perform around that area, and um, yeah, so they both had a real a love sort of love affinity with music, and um, I think that really kind of. Um, influenced me and, and my brother as well, I guess. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and did your mum, sorry, your mum just saying, do, do they, they obviously never recorded together? There's no... Not to, not to my knowledge, no, I don't, um, I just know that they used to play, play a bit of music here and there, so I'd, yeah, I'm a bit kind of shady yeah, cool. on the details, but yeah, that's what I've heard from, from my parents. Um, but yeah, like, as I said, the big influence was uh, sort of like when I would go and visit my dad, he would always have the guitar and he'd be playing songs and he really encouraged me when I was a kid just to pick it up and kind of learn a few things here and there. And um, he never kind of like, you know, neither of my parents kind of forced me to play music, but it was just something I was always sort of drawn to because it was always kind of in the background there as well. So Around, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the track that I've picked, so... Um, yeah. Sorry. The track that I've picked is one sort of more from my um my dad's side of um the musical realm um yeah. and I, I have this like vivid memory of this time when um so we were i must have been staying at his house for a weekend or something and i remember my brothers and i we were probably maybe 10 or 11 and we were in the bedroom kind of playing video games or hanging out or doing whatever we did and I remember one night my dad was out in the lounge room and um, he had just started like blaring, this, blasting this music and I couldn't like, I couldn't work out where it was coming from or what it was about but um, it turned out that he'd actually forgotten to plug the, uh, the headphones in and he thought he was listening to the music through the headphones but in fact it was just like blasting through full volume through the speakers and we sort of wow. we sort of came out from the bedroom and just went you know dad turn it down turn it down but um from my memory and it's a bit sketchy i think it was um bad moon rising by credence clearwater revival which is why i picked that as as song number one I mean, if you're going to listen to a song and just turn it up, yeah. that's going to be one of them. Yeah, it's an absolute banger. And I think even in those early days, like, uh, you know, I, I, this was probably before I sort of started listening to any sort of punk rock or pop punk or anything like that. Like, But that sound, that, that rawness, that kind of energy of that band, like I look at the, so that was like 1973. And the energy and the, like there was, it was, there were punk elements there, weren't there, in, in that band? Yeah, very proto, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, in the in the in the true spirit of it, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So that is, yeah, that's track one: Credence Clearwater Revival, Bad Moon Rising.
dude. So it's just one of the greatest of all time. There's a reason that like cover bands all over the world still. You said 1973. So what's that like? Nearly 50 years later, for, you know, 40 something years later, are still banging it out. Yeah, it's an absolute classic. It's just really raw and honest and just a beautiful rock and roll track. Can't go past it. Yeah. Yeah. Any other songs that kind of may have got the nod or like you were tossing up between? Not really. That one kind of came to me pretty quickly. I guess if I was to kind of pick one from um, mum's side, it was sort of like maybe something from Queen. I remember she had um, Night at the Opera on vinyl and we used to give that a fairly big spin um, when we were kids. Yeah. so anything off that album probably would have worked or anything kind of Janis Joplin. Um, yeah, the, uh, any of those tracks would have would have kind of worked as well. Awesome. That's fantastic. So you're obviously music, you're around music a lot because your old man play guitar and there's a lot of music kind of going on in the house. Um, was there a pivotal moment that kind of made you realise that these musicians were doing something like as as like a living as opposed to like a, you know, a commercial to sell toothpaste or, you know, whatever. Like was there a, was there a defining moment or song, do you remember? Um, I was trying to think about that when you kind of asked me that question. Like I think I actually came to music through a very kind of commercial way. Like I remember as a kid that like I would get up every Saturday morning and watch video hits and I was just obs- – like I, I was just obsessed with um, – with sort of pop bands and, and boy bands. Like I remember East 17 were like huge Dude. when I was about six and I yep. like, I was just obsessed with them. Um, and, yep. and it was just like really kind of cheesy pop music, wasn't it? But can I just put something out there with East 17? Yes. Like it's complete and utter blasphemy, but their cover of West End Girls is better than the Pet Shop Boys version. <laughs> Look, I'd have to hear them. Like, I'd have to hear them side by side, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. Like they were, they were, they were like a boy band, but they were edgy, like really, like they to me that like looking back at it now, they I feel like they may have stabbed people, like if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Like they they would they were more than like you know, look at the um new kids on the block who were obviously maybe a bit earlier than them, but like look at new kids on the block, and go oh you're clean cut guys whatever da da da, but like E seventeen looked like. You know, they carried knives around. That's <laughs> so that's my twisted view on it. You you probably have a better memory of it than me because you're a little bit older. So I, I was older. probably like yeah. six maybe when they kind of were like really, really big. And I just remembered like at one point dancing in, in front of the telly and kind of showing my mum. And I think at that point I was just like, I want to be in a pop band or like I want to be in a boy band. Like that was... And even like as I, so even good. as I got older, it was like all about Hanson and you know all of those kind of things. So I, I I think I came to music in a very commercial kind of fashion. I I think because where I grew up, like I grew up on, I didn't grow up in the city. Uh, I grew up on the mid north coast in Maxwell and now Bucker Heads. So the ac- yep. which like, is how far from Sydney? About five or six hours. Yeah, six or seven now. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we didn't necessarily like like we had the radio and we had sort of tv like that was sort of it for yeah access to music so you sort of were limited in your scope and i remember like as kids we used to do that thing where you had the tape deck and you'd like make mixtapes on the um from the radio 
Do you ever remember doing that? Yeah. Yeah, and you'd like... Oh, dude, absolutely, yeah. And you'd try and like, you know, record it perfectly so that the the announcer's voice wasn't there and then, you know, that was a clean take. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, but it was all just that, like, really poppy stuff. Like, even that, like, the, the sort of... Um, I, don't, I can't remember what they called them, like the hot hits of summer or whatever they like. Yep. We used to just like smash hits smash and whatnot. Hit. We used to just demolish those because they were kind of like all we kind of had access to. Um, I don't think we even had a CD shop in town or a tape shop. I think like literally the local video store had like a rack where you could maybe get a few CDs. So it was yeah, it was pretty limited what you could what you could access. So like it's not like these days with Spotify and you know, Apple Music and all that sort of stuff, it's it's totally different. Yeah. So you sort of were kind of... Or even 10 years ago where, J, you know, where J, and still currently like there's JB Hi-Fi's everywhere now. Mm. Like that, yeah, gone, you know, yeah, 20 years ago that wasn't the case. Very, 30 years ago that wasn't the case. Very different, yeah. So, um, you know, and like it, it took me a long time before, like I think I was more like... So, so I moved to Sydney when I was about 10 um, with my mum and brother and then... Um, it wasn't until I was probably about 11 or 12 that I really sort of started to notice um, sort of pop punk and punk rock stuff. So like your, your sort of Blink-182s and your, and your Offspring and Green Day and all of those sort of things. So, But I always sort of seemed to get into them, the album, after everyone else kind of got into them. So, you know, if you know what I mean? Okay. So everyone kind of got, yeah, in, absolutely you know, everyone I do. got into absolutely Blink I do. And, and sort of Dude Ranch. I was sort of like... Oh, and remember the states come out. I really like this band. And then the offspring for me, it was like all about Americana. Um, yeah. I miss the wave, you know. Like and and, and Green Day, same thing. Like it just I sort of was always at, just a little bit late to the party. And I think because, um, a I was sort of a little bit younger than some of my peers that were into the sort of same type of music. And I had older cousins yeah. as well that were sort of they were sort of introducing us to punk rock and that sort of stuff. But you know they they'd sort of been into it for a little while at that point. So. Yeah, that that sort of didn't happen till sort of ten or eleven, or maybe sorry, eleven or twelve um, for me. Were you different? Like, were you differentiating? Like, we under sorry with the with the like the offspring and then Blink and that kind of thing. Were you what listening to them and think like and knowing that they were different to what was going on on the radio or or like on video hits or was it all the same to you at that age? Um. Well, at that age, like a lot of those bands were kind of getting played on, like I'm talking like yeah. 96, 97 now. So like, yep. I remember like going to my year six formal and listening to The Living End. Um, like that was our kind of farewell song. Um, yeah, right. What uh, song was it? It was... Um, oh, Prisoner of Society. Prisoner of Society, yeah. yeah. Like, that was kind of like our farewell song and then there was like um, Good Riddance. That's a great song to have a year six farewell to. Yeah, and as well, like Good Riddance had just come out that uh, time of your life. Um, it just came out yep. by Green Day. And like, so there was a lot more and Mighty Boss Stones, all those bands were just sort of starting to really kind of um, make a name for themselves on the on the pop charts as well. So I think that also, that drew my attention to it um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, see. Um like you mentioned you got into Offspring via America, uh, Americana or X on the Ombre? Americana, yeah. So I didn't – okay. I've never sort of really given uh, Ixnay that much of a listen through. I've always been a, a, a big Americana fan. Yeah. Like obviously Smash was the huge album. Yeah, yeah. But, I but was Americana – Too late. Too, yeah, sorry. I was just too – I guess too young for that at that point. 
yeah. I've always thought Americana and Nick Stay on the Ombre were far superior to Smash. But, you know, Smash was the one that it kind of everybody paid the, attention the to. Drew people in. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. fine as well. Yeah. Like, you know, everyone's got their different tastes and albums that they kind of, you know, jump on the on the train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, have you got a song that kind of sums it all up? Yeah, okay. So here's where I went. Um, so I went back to 95. Um, I'm sitting in, again, I'm sitting in a, a, a room playing video games with my cousins and, and brothers, which seemed to be a bit of a thing. In Sydney or up in Maxville? So this is up in, I think we're in Scott's Head, which is just near Maxville. Okay. And we were playing, um, I'm going to say Mortal Kombat. Okay. Um, we're in like a holiday house. We're staying with some cousins in there, kind of like they, they had this little rumpus room type thing. And I yep. remember having this album just on absolute repeat for the whole weekend. And it was um, the self-titled album from the Presidents of the United States. Uh, Forget about it. Lump, yeah. Lump is my song. Wow. Yeah. So that, I think, again, like you talk about like proto-punk. Like I think for me, that was the first time that there was a band that was like, I, you heard on the radio that were kind of like, this is slightly different to... You said before, was there a time where you realized this is kind of different to the other pop music that's coming out? I think for me, that was the presidents with like, yeah. when, when, when you heard Peaches, you were like, this is, this is weird, man. Um, this is a bit quirky. This, I really like this. Um, and I think that was kind of the logical progression to those more kind of um, skate punk bands that kind of came a few years later for me. So, yeah, they were, they were on another level, <laughs> like of, of, not, like, um, of, like quirkiness, like you know the instrument. The the big thing with them was the instruments that they played. Yeah, they had these like uh, bass tars thing, like this banjo yeah. guitar thing. That was just yeah, they were just like real. the the bass player played a guitar. Yeah, with two bass strings on it. Right, and the guitarist played a bass with three guitar strings on it. Yeah, which is why their stuff sound like what. Which is why they musically, or especially on that album, sounded so. It sounded so weird. Like it didn't have a traditional big rock sound. No. Like no, it, it sounds really airy and yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's just an absolutely cracking album. And I think um yeah, for me it was a real gateway album into some some sort of into punk rock, but also into kind of just like indie music in general and kind of quirky um it, it kinda I think the thing about that album made me realise that you don't need to take it all too seriously. Um, cause, oh, and they definitely didn't. Yeah, no, like the you know Songs about peaches and, you know, lump. and It's just all a bit silly and a bit funny. But And Kitty, yeah. Yeah, Kitty. Like, you know, obviously there's probably maybe deeper meanings there, but... Um, Pro- I, I highly doubt it. <laughs> but maybe not, you yeah. know. Yeah, um, well, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, Presidents of the USA with Lump. Lump sat alone in a boggy marsh Totally motionless except for her heart Mud flowed up into Lump's pajamas She told She's 
Was it about Lump that, like, over Kitty or Peaches or any other song on the album, that kind of stuck out? Well, I was originally going to pick... There's a song that wasn't a single on that album called um, We're Not Gonna Make It. Um, okay. Which is um, probably a bit more punk rock than some of the others. It's got that that, that kind of that, that punk rock beat going on. Um, and I was just doing a bit of Googling. I realized that actually wasn't written by the presidents. It was actually written by a guy called Ben Risa, who okay. I, I don't know who he is. I just did a bit of Googling on him but couldn't find a whole heap. But um, So I thought, look, I'm going to keep it pure and I'm going to go with Lump. I don't know what it is about that, one, that song. It's kind of, um, yeah, that was the one that I kind of thought. Did I, Pardon my bad singing, yeah. but does We're Not Going to Make It go, We're Not Going to Make It. Or am I just making that up? No, 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 that's perfect, man. You nailed it. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like I'm having weird like flashbacks of that album. Oh, you're gonna have to listen to it tomorrow. Oh, go- it's it's going on like straight away. Fabulous. Yeah. As soon as this is over, yeah. I'm gonna listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> love it. And so, we your cousins were they older? Obviously, they were like the you know I talk about on this podcast a lot a lot of the time. Um, people have big brothers or sisters or, you know, obviously older siblings that kind of feed music to them. Mm. Um, is that how you were getting it off your, co- like, older cousins and stuff? Yeah, pretty much. Like, we had... So, when we'd go to visit my dad in the holidays and weekends and that, we had, like, just cousins out the the wazoo. Like, we had, uh, like, cousins that were our age, cousins that were older, and there was just... They, they were just a little bit more tapped into it, kind of, I guess, cooler music than I was. So, uh, you know, we'd sort of just get... Um, drip fed you know all these punk yeah. bands and um, yeah and again I think that continued so so when I moved to high school I, at that point I'd sort of just started playing guitar I think in year five or six went to high school and then there were these guys in I'm gonna say two years above me in year nine and they were like the punk rock kids and um, yep instantly I was like oh these are my people um and so they put me onto bands like the Ataris um and No Effects and um some of the more kind of skate punk sort of stuff um and they would just literally play those songs like 
you know, whenever they had a, a free period, they would play the, you know, the Atari's San Dimas High School football rules or whatever it was. And I remember, like, one time we played that at a school assembly, I'm going to say, uh, yep. without any vocals. So that would have been pretty, um, pretty horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you, were they welcoming to you like, or did you kind of just ad, like admire them from afar? No, no, no. They were actually pretty, pretty welcoming. Um, I think they kind of saw me as a little bit of a sort of little brother figure. Um, okay. and they just, yep. they sort of could tell that I was really into that type of music. And I think they wanted to kind of like mentor me in a way into, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is the good stuff. This is what you should be listening to. Don't, you know, uh, this was also around the time of like new, new metal as well. So uh, yeah, uh, right. that was sort of yeah. starting to come through. Um, so I had a really, like, I still, one of they my really protected good, you from that. I think they did a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my really good mates from high school, he was like a big metal fan and, and really loved the new metal. So it was kind of like, like we, there weren't many kids at my school that were our age that played music. So we just kind of like bonded over music. It didn't really matter that I was like a punk rock kid and he was a, a metal kid. Like we just went, yeah, yeah, cool. We can play system of a down and then we can play, you know, blink One Eighty Two. It doesn't matter. We can just do, it's, do whatever. It's just all music. It's yeah. all just music. Yeah. We just kind of didn't discriminate. We just kind of went, yeah, you, you got an electric yeah. guitar. Let's do this. And what were you, what were your parents? Were your parents kind of like, indifferent to the music or they kind of like not vocal about like what you can, can and can't listen to but were they kind of paying attention to what you were listening to so you didn't yeah. go down any any gnarly tracks or they were, they were surprisingly um supportive actually like i remember my mum was like really interested in um what i was listening to to the point of like actually getting into um some of the bands um herself at the time and i think it was i don't think it was like I'm trying to be supportive of my son and, and kind of like the things he likes. I think she actually genuinely enjoyed um, that type of music. So, Unreal. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and same with my dad. Like every time I would go up to um, visit. So at this point I was living in Sydney and I'd sort of only get up to visit my dad during the school holidays. And every time I'd go up there, I'd have like a, you know, a new riff that I'd learned or a new song that I was kind of learning. And he was always like massively supportive and, you know, helped me and sort of would show me things on the guitar. Maybe how about you play it this way or have you tried this? So, um, yeah, look, I, um, I didn't get sort of any backlash really from, from my folks about music, which was really cool. They were just yeah, that's really hugely cool. supportive. <laughs> yeah. So there was no, there was no like rebellious, like my parents, like I won't let my parents know I'm listening to this. They were very, you know, they were, yeah, they were really cool with whatever you were kind of taking in. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, they kind of were. I think um, it's kind of funny because like I listen back to like bands, like bands like um, Blink-182, I sort of listen back to them now and kind of go, wow, the lyric, like lyrically, there's some kind of pretty... Um, kind of uh you know there's, there's some juvenile stuff and there's stuff that's kind of you know i probably wouldn't want a 14 13 year old listening to but they just kind of went with it i don't yeah. think they kind of like they i think they kind of went maybe maybe their theory was that if i try and stop him from listening to it he's just going to want to listen to it more and he's going to just it was just backlash it was yeah. backlash. i think maybe that was their theory um but i just yeah i don't really know so but yeah they didn't yeah. they didn't kind of stop me from from I don't ever remember bringing a CD home and going, oh no no you can't listen to that, you know like yeah it was yeah it was all all pretty fine. 
And how long did you just kind of like you you were playing with those guys in like you're in year seven, they're in year nine. Did you kind of stick with punk rock go like throughout high school, or did you did you steer away to anything differently? It's into any a different style. Not necessarily. No, like I I pretty much like I like high school for me was sort of my my punk rock years like right from yeah sort of 12 to 17 18 like that was when i was kind of listening to almost like exclusively punk rock um and also a bit of like metal and new metal when my friend would sort of play um but was you sorry your friend who was into metal did he play he played instruments yeah yeah, yeah, he did. He played so my friend Sean. He played um, uh, electric guitar as well. So we were sort of the two, yep. the two guys in my year that played electric guitar or guitar. And then there, we, there was a, oh, there's a couple of other guys as well, and, and the bass player and a drummer. And we were sort of like the four or five music kids at school, and we would just sort of go to the band room every lunchtime and free period and just play, bang it out, just bang it out. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, that was just what we did in high school, pretty much. Yeah, and like, yeah, I, we just didn't know any different. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Yeah. So you were living eastern Sydney, uh, eastern suburb. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I was over in. I went to school in Randwick, um, Randwick Boys High, and um, so it was a f- bit of a funny school because like, um, it was very kind of ethnically diverse sort of school um so there wasn't a lot of kids that were sort of into um the types of music that i was listening to um yep and you know that you know it didn't bother me really like we sort of had our little sort of bubble of um friends that just kind of went and did our own thing and we were sort of stuck to ourselves yeah we like being in ranwick there's um obviously the uni of new south wales is it that's correct yep yeah, and so they would have had a lot of all age shows. Were you getting to many all age gigs, um, or was mu- like was live music not even on the radar? Not hugely. Not until I was probably about sixteen or seventeen. So I think the first band okay. I saw at the Roundhouse um, would have been AFI. Um, oh yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. So I went and saw them probably when I was about sixteen, and I actually went with my friend Sean, who again AFI was okay because they sort of had that little bit of a metal energy oh they had the crossover yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. so we're, they were kind of like our, the band that we sort of both got into especially around that sing to so- sing the sorrow um era. era yeah yeah so they toured that album i think and we went and saw them at the roundhouse and it was kind of my first like ticketed show no parents um and i remember like get it so i only lived 10 minutes away from the venue but i remember like being like super nervous because it was my first show and i kind of you know walked down with sean and um, you know, got to the venue and like, I was, I was like patting my pockets and going, Oh no, I've forgotten my tickets. And <laughs> so literally had to like run the, 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 the 10, 15 minutes back home, uh, get the tickets, come back. And I think we missed the supports, but we, we kind of made it inside for AFI. Yeah. I can't remember who opened, but after the four were the main tour supports. So yeah. I've got a funny, I've got a funny anecdote um, about that show, about that particular show. Oh yes. Uh, um, so after four, I, I was living on, I live on the central coast and was living on the central coast um, when that tour was happening. Mm-hmm. And after the four were the main support. And I basically spoke to one of the guitarists and said, I'll work for you for free on this whole tour. <laughs> Just take me with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I went to Brisbane, Sydney, two Melbourne shows. Fantastic. Um, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Still got the tour pass from, yeah, still got the tour pass from it. 
And um, so we've been in, at that. We were, we were in the same room together even before we, we kind of knew each other. That's crazy. There's been two occasions, which I'm sure we'll bring one up, or we'll bring the other one up as well. Oh yeah. But the yeah, but the first time it was yes yeah, AFI. So um, get to the venue, load in, set up, da 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 da, and like we we did we did our thing like a quick line check or whatever, and then moved all the gear out of the way. And um, so I was just walking around, just killing time while the, someone was sound checking. I can't think who. It must have been the opening band was doing a line check. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but in the venue, there used to be like arcade machines. Like they were yeah. kind of hidden, but there was arcade machines. And there was one of those dancing machines where you, you know, there's like nine squares and you dance on the squares as they come oh, up on the uh, screen. Do you dance, know what I'm talking about? Dance, dance revolution. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I was just walking around. I was like, oh, shit, Davey Havoc's playing the dancing game. I'm going to go check this out. And, dude, he was fucking killing it. Like, it. he was murdering, the, just murdering this game, like song after song, you know, 90% correct. Next song, go for it, da-da-da-da-da. And, like, he's, he's eating away these songs and just, like, hardly breaking a sweat. Dude can obviously move. Yeah. And then... The sound check, like the band's line check had finished. And so they went, well, let's, just, like the sound guy just must have gone, well, let's just put some music on and started fucking blasting something. Don't know what it was, but just blasting something. And Dave was like on the last song of the game. <laughs> and what happened was when the PA's music came on, it was too loud. Oh, no. So he couldn't hear, he couldn't hear the music from the speakers. Mm. So he couldn't feel the rhythm, like, you know, or, and dance to the beat. Oh. And he fucking failed on that last level. And he was so pissed. He was fuming because he's like, fucking, you know, I smashed this and da 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 da. And like, ah, what a fucking waste of time. I was like, there you go. I just experienced that. That was amazing. So that's my little an- anecdote from um, that AFI show. I yeah. love it. The dance dance Stories revolution that go was over. It was it was done and dusted. Done he and dusted. moved on to something else. Oh, yeah, that is devastating. So, um, so that's pretty cool. AFI is your first proper live show. First proper live show. I remember because we used to rehearse at a place called Bondi Ways, like uh, which is like a youth center, uh, and so yep. they would put on these all ages shows um, down at the Bondi Pavilion, and um, so that was kind of my first introduction to playing live shows but also kind of going to live shows as well um yep they were pretty in retrospect they were kind of pretty lame but um you know like yeah. when you're a kid you just kind of like any any show is awesome um so was it was it just local bands or do they yeah, get yeah, like typically, oh sometimes yeah. they would get like a bigger act like i remember um sometimes they would do them they would either do them in the pavilion or sometimes they'd do it once a year they'd do like a big open air one and i remember they got grinspoon one year and um so like you know they would get every yep. now and then they'd get bigger bands but it was usually like bigger local bands that um yeah that would headline but they would still get like a decent you know sort of 80 100 kids down there to um you know come to the And this shows. is all council so, organized. Yeah yeah all organized by the by Way- Waverley council. I I don't know if they even still do them but they were really really a good initiative at the time um and you know my f- first couple of shows were were with them so yeah and and they were like they had this like band room in in their youth center that was like 
uh, the cheapest rehearsal space you could ever hope for. And I think we rehearsed there like right into our 20s, even though like we probably shouldn't have been just because it was... Yeah, so it definitely wasn't aimed at you. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we just kind of, we felt really bad at, you know, taking the spots from kids that were trying to start bands. But yeah, eventually we just kind of went, oh, we have to start going to proper rehearsal places now. We're too old for this. <laughs> So was this was this an originals band you were doing by now, or were you um um so were you kind of banging out covers? Well, uh, so there was a the very very first band I remember being in was in high school, and it was called yep. um, Left From There, and I'm not sh- okay. I'm still not sure what that name even means. Yeah, um, it was a band. So, so Left From There, and I remember I did like a big, I did a lot of the lifting for the songwriting. Um, but okay. I, I didn't yep. do any of the singing. Like I wasn't singing at that point. Um, I was playing guitar, but I just didn't have the confidence at that point to be singing. I was getting there, but um, so we had another guy singing, and um, we never. I never actually played a show with that band, um, but I found out a lot, uh, like a little while later, that apparently they played a couple of shows. I don't know how many, but uh, they apparently they played quite a, f- a big chunk of the songs that I'd kind of written. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> which was yeah. yeah, thanks. But anyway, I, I don't think they yeah. were they were my my best work. But um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what's the kind of song that sums up those those early years of you you know going to gigs and that kind of jazz then? Okay. Here we go. So, um, oh, look out. Look out. Uh, 2003. This is yep. like I'm sort of starting to get into like uh, maybe even before that, like no effects. I got, I bought 45 or 46 songs, that kind of B sides yep. album. That, was, that weren't good enough to go on our album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, interestingly, that was my first no effects album. Okay. Yeah. How old are you in 2003? Um, 16. Okay, cool. I might have even bought that album a bit earlier than that. Anyway. Um, so I had that album and I, I discovered what a record label was. So I worked out that Fat Records, if I go to their website, I can actually listen to other bands that sound like no effects. You know, like it's yep. that kind of connection. And like right now it seems like stupid to say, but that's kind of, you know, how I was working it out. And yeah, I remember everyone gets there in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I remember getting signing up for their mailing list and I got this e-card. Um, for an album that was coming out on Fat Records called um, uh, As the Eternal Cowboy by Against Oh, Me. dude. Yep. And the song that started the e-card was um, that opening riff to Cliche Guevara. And I just remember hearing that and just going, man, this is, I, I have to hear this album. Like just the, the literally the, the snippets, there was probably a 30 seconds worth of snippets from that album. And I listened to that e-card like, a thousand times before the album came and I was just so excited. So Cliche Guevara is going to be my um, my pick for that era.
what a fantastic song, band and album. Yeah. So it was just that just that thirty seconds. The vocals kick in and then it kind of just drops out. Was that was that the vibe? I think no. I think they sort of played like so. The E card probably played four or five songs from the album. And I can't remember what they were, but um, just the the guitar and um, the vocals. Man, it was just it. I, there was something about that that just spoke to me, and I was like, "This is the band I need to listen to." Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it was, as soon as it came out, I was like, "This album is phenomenal." <laughs> it still holds up. Like it's yeah yeah it, it was yeah. not on um, Spotify for the longest time, but they've just put it back up there. Um, and I've been giving it a bit of a play lately because it's fantastic. What do you th- why do you think that is? Because uh, I like w- did they ever say anything about it? Like because I, uh, is it because Fat was slow to kind of jump onto Spotify or? I don't. I think they left spot, uh, Fat on not the best of terms. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, potentially. But um, yeah, I, I would just be speculating. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah cool. What, any other songs from that era? Um, like that, you know, potentially could have made the list, ooh. or did make the list but didn't make the cut. Not really. Um, yeah, that was I, just the that one. Was, that was it. Yeah, that just that e card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so this e card things we, like to, to, like go into a bit of well, not too much depth. What? How did you get it? Why were they giving it out? Like what? Like what's the story with it? I think it was just that at that time, like um, it was just email marketing, really. Um, and I'd signed yeah. up, I'd signed up to the mailing list and. Um, uh, it, it had just come through and so you'd like press play and they would show some images and um, play some music and I guess nowadays the I guess the analog is like YouTube um, yeah. you know clips when a band's about to release an album they'll do like a little um, teaser video um, but yeah this was kind of before YouTube was had really taken off um, and I imagine that like the the internet at that stage the they probably couldn't have they didn't have yeah, the there wasn't a band bandwidth quality to kind of do it. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's how I got into against me. <laughs> so, was there any other fat stuff that stuck out, like, or did you did you Ooh. just hear that and go, "This is like"? No, there was there was lots of fat bands that I got into, like Lawrence Arms, um, Smoke or Fire, um, a lot of the No Effect stuff. I was right into at that time, sort of like the early two thousands. Stuff I really enjoyed. Like I still like the old, um, no effects. But I think because um, so like War on Errorism, for example, that album came out yeah. when I was kind of like in in the height of my punk rock listening. So that's a, that's got a really special kind of place for me. Yep. Um, and oh, there were so many. Like you know, anything on um, Fat Wreck or Epitaph at that time was kind of my my bread and butter. Your go-to, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So you left the um, left from there. That was what it was called, yeah? Left from left, there? Well, yeah. Um, didn't even, yeah. Didn't you even play a show with them. Didn't play a show? No. And then were you, 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 you still played in bands or when did you kind of branch off to an acoustic, like a, like a singer-songwriter style thing? So there was – I only ever had one band. So I had a band called Old Kent Road. And which is named after the 
Monopoly um, piece. The it's the cheapest one on the, the Monopoly. Cheapest one. Yep. Yep. You get me. Um, yep. And so <laughs> it was almost my favorite for, to buy for because I felt like I felt awesome because you could build houses on it really cheap. Yeah, it was only and like, you could look like you were killing it, but you weren't really. But nah, yeah, it's like two hundred and fifty for a hotel. Um, yep. But yeah, the, like the, the payback was, was never as good as the... Yeah, it's, it was... No. You're right. It was all about just uh, being a bit annoying as people came around going, yeah. wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You just kind of... You end up collecting their $200. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when... I think we formed... Yeah, we formed Old Kent Road when I was in... must have been just out of high school or... Yeah, just out of high school... Um, so probably 2005, six, maybe. And, um, we did some recording. We put an EP out in 2006. It's five tracks. Um, and that, you know, that got us a little bit of radio play and, oh, that's right. We signed up for this thing. There was this thing at the time. Um, do you remember Candy's apartment in King's Cross? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they were doing this like, um, band thing called Show Up Showdown. Um, okay. And they were they would sort of get contact all these local bands through MySpace, and it was almost like a bit of a like a competition to um, see who could bring bring the biggest crowds, and like if you bought the biggest crowd, you went through to the next round, and and it was a bit of a pyramid scheme uh, in retrospect. It sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, but they but, all are. All those kind oh, of things always but, are. But when you're like a yeah. when you're a kid, like you know 18 19 and you're kind of looking for shows anything kind of looks pretty appealing doesn't it so yeah and and look to be fair like we did play quite a lot of shows there and bought some decent crowds and and got a little bit of a following um so look it wasn't all bad but um it got to the point where we just like needed to branch out a little bit and um so look yeah we played um we played a bunch of shows. We did a little bit of touring, but not much. I remember we actually the one tour that we uh, one tour we did was we drove up to Maxville, and we played in two battles of the bands, and we thought that was a tour. <laughs> yeah, that hey, so two battle of the bands in a short space of time, or you did yeah, it twice? Yeah, so we did one in Maxville, um, and then we did one in Kempsey, and they were happened to be on the same weekend. They were like, I think it was like Youth Week. Um, yep, and they okay. both had yeah and so we went up there and basically came in and played these youth center battle of the bands um with sort of this like sydney band that just blew in out of nowhere <laughs> i think <laughs> and I mean, how'd we, you go I, I think they were too um i don't think they wanted to let us win because we were yeah. not, not you know you're not from around not here kind of thing but yeah. that's fine like you know we we got to play to audiences that we hadn't played before and it was a lot of fun just to sort of be on the road and um yeah like we felt like big shots so yeah <laughs> and you were singing you were singing and playing guitar in this or were you sharing yeah, vocal yeah. duties yeah so no I was um singing and writing all the songs and kind of coordinating everything and it was my first kind of time it was the first time that I kind of really fell in love with like doing the music biz stuff like you know designing posters yeah. and making cds and the whole diy stuff um you know uh, sending out the emails and booking shows and yeah like i kind of took all of that on and the other guys kind of just um they were kind of happy just to sort of show up to rehearsal and show up to shows um yeah and and yeah it was happy days so yeah look we um 
we uh, we also did we did another recording which was like eight tracks but we never released that it was sort of starting to um sort of fade out sort of peter out at that point so we just kind of went look let's just leave it there and then um at that point i was sort of starting to get more into your kind of folkier stuff and your singer songwriter stuff and um Mm -hmm. that's when i sort of started to take an interest in people like frank turner that was sort of these punk guys that were now you know playing acoustic guitars and that's sort of where that transition happened so did they get over what they were did the other guys get over what they were playing or they just got over playing in bands you reckon um i i don't really know kind of what happened i think I think I sort of just thought I don't see how much further we can take this. I think maybe that yeah, was it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I was kind of like just at a bit of a, a loss. Like we'd been playing, we'd been doing it for a couple of years. The crowds were sort of starting to dwindle a little bit. Um, I think I was having some issues with my voice because I never officially learned how to sing and I was just kind of shouting. So that right, kind of... Yeah. Um, took away from the enjoyment of it a bit um it was costing a lot of money that i just didn't kind of have you know all of those things kind of came together and i just sort of went look you know maybe this isn't gonna happen for old kent road (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, but like i still i still catch up with the with all the guys from that band and still have a lot of love for them um yeah good you know so you did you release without jumping too far ahead? Mm-hmm. I saw something on Facebook today. You released a version of a song that you released by yourself, but with those guys recording it. Like, was that part of the unreleased material? Yeah. So I did that. I did a, a, a collection called First Drafts um, recently, which is like thirty songs, uh, thirty demos or rough recordings of songs that I've released. Um, as Isaac Graham and there was a couple of Old Kent Road songs so like um, Heat Exhaustion was one of them How Much um, This Old Town actually from the first album Um, there was a bunch of them that we'd actually recorded um, with Old Kent Road and then I sort of reworked them to the new kind of style Um, to what they ended up being yeah, yeah to what they ended up being like I just felt there was something like something about like they just didn't work in that style anymore so i just thought that but i still thought they were good songs so i was like i i still want to release these songs um so i just kind of yeah so i just thought why not kind of reuse them so were you when you were mucking around at home like prior to the band breaking up Mm -hmm. were you kind of gravitating more to an acoustic guitar or like was it a big Um, like was it a big shift to be like i'm going to put this electric one down and pick up the acoustic not really, no, because do you know how like on a lot of like um, punk records around that time there was always like the acoustic track? There was like, you know, yeah. like Sink Florida Sink on, on that Against Me album we were talking about. Yep. Like I was really drawn to those tracks um, and I don't, I don't necessarily know why. So I kind of did start, like I always started playing acoustic guitar. And in fact, I think I even remember like learning Damn It by Blink-182 on an acoustic guitar and just like shredding yep. my fingers trying to trying to play it because it was just the action was too high and it was just yep. couldn't do it um so I, I i played an acoustic guitar right up until i was sort of in high school um and then kind of went electric and then eventually back to acoustic but um basically um 
yeah, I, I, I don't think there was ever a time where I just went, no, I'm not playing acoustic anymore. I'm going to go... Oh, sorry, I'm not playing electric anymore. I'm going to go acoustic. It was a bit of a gradual kind of shift. And in fact, even some of the old Kent Road stuff we recorded, there was acoustic guitar tracks kind of in there, like, you know, layers. Yeah, so... Um, I don't think it ever kind of left. So you start doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. Did you, st- you said, you, you know, you kind of were easing away from it because of your vocal uh, lack of, prof- not pro- you know, lack of, um, I'm going to use the word professional, but it's not definitely not the word I mean. But like, you, you, you know, you said you were shredding your voice up. Did you ever actually officially get lessons or did you just kind of, did it make it, did singing with an acoustic guitar make things easier? I think it just made things easier, but at the same time, it also, it also just kind of prolonged um, bad habits that were already kind of in place. <laughs> right, okay. Um, and I've only very recently kind of gone to see, like seeing a speech pathologist about, you know, how to talk properly and how to, you know, not necessarily sing properly, but kind of use your diaphragm. Like I'm a very um, throaty kind of talker. And so, like, even at a party when there's, like, a lot of people talking, I'll, I'll leave the party with no voice because I've been just kind of trying to talk over everyone. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I've been trying to work on that lately and be a bit more um, kind of expressive and kind of comfortable with my voice. Um, but, yeah, so going doing the acoustic stuff did help because um, I could hear myself better and, you know, pitch things properly. But... At the same time, I was still not using any sort of proper technique, which... Uh, technique, yeah, that's the word. That's yeah. the word, yeah. So we, um, did you kind of think, like, was doing the solo stuff by yourself, did you did you think, yeah, okay, like, this is the natural progression or was it more just like, hey, I'm going to mess around with this and then kind of you eased into the thought of, hey, like, maybe this is something that could work? Mm, I think it was the... I was just really driven to record and release music. And I think like, yeah, that's I think cool. there was also a part of me that was kind of like, um, so with Old Kent Road, I was kind of like, well, I want to take this this far, but I don't know if everybody else does. And I never really kind of asked, but I just kind of went, they probably don't want to. And I just kind yeah, of, right. I think okay. it was part of me that just kind of assumed that they were like not as into it as I was. And as a result, I was like, ah, oh, that's all right. I'm just going to go and do it myself. I think that was kind of, there was a bit of a, an attitude there um, that, you know, was probably not very helpful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how things went. And I was like, I'm just going to kind of branch out and, and give it a crack myself. And so, how long? How long for, from doing that did you start re, like recording? You do a lot. You do all your recording yourself, pretty much now. Don't like from then on, didn't you? Yeah. So I got a a little Tascam eight track. Uh, must have been. So I did some Old Kent Road recordings on that. Some Old Kent Road demos on that. So it must have been probably twelve, maybe even thirteen years ago now. Um, and that was like where I really fell in love with recording music. Um, and so I would record on the Tascam and then individually export all of the tracks off to a computer and then try and mix them there the best I could. Um, and that's where the first Isaac Graham album kind of came from. Um, that's yeah, fantastic. Through that process. 
So, yeah. And you did a lot of um, you spent a lot of time doing those YouTube covers. Was that like correct? Yeah. Was this is going to sound? Don't take this the wrong way. But I'm sure you won't. But was it a strategic like? Was it a thing to get your name out, or was it just like I'm going to do this for the love of playing music? It was a bit of both, really. Like it was it, yeah. partly I wanted to expand my repertoire. Partly I wanted to get my name out there a bit, and also I wanted to get better at recording. So those yeah. recordings are actually on the Tascam. You can't you can't really see them in the video, but the the microphones are plugged into the Tascam. I would take them off, I would ed- edit them and 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 mix them. So. Um, there is actually raw WAV files from those recordings that are still on my hard drive somewhere. So they were as much of about the recording process as anything. And what was the song selection based on? Just like this is a this is a favorite song, or like was there any kind of was there much thought that went into it, or was it just like this is a great song, I'm going to do it for oh, for the videos. Um, yeah, kind of. It was more just like what I was into or what I was sort of playing at the time. And I wanted to kind of put my own spin on sort of punk rock songs. Like, because I think when I was listening to like bands like Against Me and Rancid and um, Lawrence Arms and a few of the other covers that I did, like I could hear the sort of stripped back versions of those songs as I was listening to them. Like there was always like, there was the original raw punk version and then I could hear like the solo acoustic version and that's what I wanted I guess other people to hear as well yeah 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 like especially with like a band like Rancid they've always come across as the kind of band that you can envision either Tim or Lars writing a whole song or a whole album on an acoustic guitar Mm. and then Trans like and then you know transforming that showing it to the rest of the band and going this here's is, the ideas I've got on the acoustic yeah let's make it a rancid like you know let's make it rancid yeah exactly all right my song yeah lay it on me I'm all so right. keen so this was um so I'm probably I'm gonna say 2008 I'm gonna I'm about 20 at this point yep um. I'm living in a place in Birchgrove over near Balmain. It's kind of my first like foray into living in a share house. And okay, yeah. um, <laughs> what are you doing at the time, by the way? Are you studying I'm working, or? I think I'm studying. I'm at uni doing an arts degree. Yep. I'm working uh, in a cinema, um, just like yep. sweeping up popcorn and and ripping changing tickets. movie reels. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I don't think I was even doing that yet, but I was not. Okay, far. you hadn't graduated to that hadn't yet. Hadn't graduated to projectionist yet. Um, yep, yeah, projectionist. Thank you. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I'm sitting there. It's um, probably about you know nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. I'm playing again video games. I'm playing uh, SSX Tricky. It's like this snowboarding game. Yes, on snowboarding. No, the one two. I'm gonna say. Maybe three. Yep. I don't know what was that. Yeah, a lot. I, I was just obsessed with this game, um, and I'm listening. I to sucked at that game, by the way. Oh, me and my friend, uh, we got really good at it. Like we played it good. nonstop. <laughs> yeah. That and Tony Hawk Pro Skater three. Like. Oh, dude. Yeah. Fantastic. Different. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I'm there. I'm listening to Short, Fast, Loud, um, and this song comes on, and I'm like, this is. Again, this was like the next step from against me for me. This was um, 
uh, Wherefore Art Thou Elvis by Gaslight. Um, and right. that for me Fantastic was song. just, yeah, just an absolute, I don't know, it just tore me to shreds the first time I heard that song. Um, it was just so haunting and beautiful and I don't know. I, it, obviously now, like when I first heard it, I didn't understand the link to like, I didn't understand where it was coming from. Like I didn't know about Bruce Springsteen very much. I didn't know about the clash. I didn't know about like the history behind or like the influences of Gaslight. So, um, I didn't appreciate it in its full kind of glory, but I think it just kind of, it was a beautiful song. What album was this one off? It was off an EP called Senior and the Queen and it came out. Oh, that five track EP. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of came out in between their two, um, two albums, the, um, was it 59 sound? Yes. And, um, Sink or Swim. Sink or Swim, yeah, yeah. So 59 Sound was kind of obviously their big, big breakthrough album. But um, yeah, for me, this was the, the song that just, oh, I was obsessed after that.
I guess you know you uh, had by this time had you recorded or was this a big influence? Sorry, recorded your solo album or was this a big influence on your um on you know the next step in your career in your musical career? So I think at that point I remember doing a lot of the recording for that album in that house in Birchgrove, um, or I gotta get my timeline right here. I think I was doing, a, I was still in Old Kent Road at that point. So I think I was doing a lot of Old Kent Road writing, which, but then a lot of those Old Kent Road songs ended up going on the first album. Some of them went on the first album anyway. Um, so that would have come out the year before Empty Vessels came out for me. And so, yeah, there was, it was quite a big influence to the point where like there's some songs on Empty Vessels where there's like lines that are just straight out of Gaslight Anthem. <laughs> wow. I've yeah. never picked it up. Have a listen to But I'm going to have to. Have a listen to Superglue. There's a line in Superglue that's uh, just... It'll stick out like a sore thumb when I hear it, won't it? It will, it will now, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not... It's not um, I'm not stealing it. It's like a... It's an, it's an it's homage. It's a common phrase. You know. Yeah, yeah. well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, an Easter egg. Oh, I can't wait to go looking for it. Yeah. Um, so you did a... One of the coolest things that I love telling people about like whenever someone asks about you asks me about you is I get to say oh you know I sent you to split with Frank Turner mm-hmm. and that instantly you know people ears prick, people's ears will prick up mm-hmm. how did that come about so that was a weird one um, well, it wasn't really so I was into Frank Turner for a fair while before the he, he had a competition um, kind of out of the blue where um uh, he he said he was looking for two acts that were going to be um, on the B side of his single "Try This at Home," and there was one that was going to be from the UK, and there was one that was going to be from um, international. The rest of the world. The rest of the yep. world. Yeah, and I ended up being the winner of the rest of the world thing. And I remember like emailing because I, I was really worried when I put my submission in because I think I said on the submission that. I accidentally clicked I was from the UK and I was worried that I was going to be kind of listened to in the UK bunch and not kind of considered in the international one and I thought oh no I'm gonna I might miss out so I remember emailing Frank's actually really good on email um so I remember emailing him at one point going oh I'm so sorry I put the wrong thing in and he got back to me and he was like oh yeah I've actually listened to that track it's it's a real it's really strong you know da 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 so um when that happened, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I might even be in with a shot here. And then I remember wow. waking, I remember waking up one day um, and this is the uh, the days of MySpace. So I had a MySpace page for Isaac Graham and I remember waking up and just having like some phenomenal amount of plays on MySpace because overnight in Australia, they had announced the winners of this competition oh, in the UK. So it was nighttime in Australia. Yep. So when I woke up, it was just like... Um, this massive spike in MySpace plays because people were wanting to hear um, who I was. The song. Yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah. it was a massive... So is that the way you found out? Like you didn't... Did you eventually find the email that said, hey, you'd won? Yeah, eventually, yeah. I found, like they announced it before they told me. Um, and then I the, yeah, sure. the record label kind of got into contact with me um, and got me to sign a few things and yeah it was just it was just like that so that's unreal so then what made you want to transition back into a 
a live band? Like, you know, have a have a live band around you? I think it was kind of um, a couple of reasons. I think one, I just kind of missed the energy of playing yeah. live music with people. Like, it, you know, it gets a bit lonely when you're kind of just playing um, solo. And I think there was part of me as well that sort of didn't feel like I was doing the songs justice just by playing myself or I, there was maybe part of me that felt like I wasn't good enough a uh, musician to fill in the gaps between lyrics. <laughs> I think that's kind okay. of what my, my feeling was. I was like, I, you know, if I want people to take me seriously, I've got to play with a band. Yeah. I think that was kind of part of the thinking there. So the, I was going to say the other show that we were both at, oh, which yeah. you wrote a song about, which blows my mind. Um, that again, like that, we were yeah, at the same show. Was right. the what was I can't think of what the song was that it was on the Empty Vessels EP. Well, it was Empty Vessels, it was Empty Vessels. Thank you. Song, so, yeah, it was yeah. the um, Friends of Rome and Lawrence Arm show at the Manning Bar that my band at the time opened. My band Jungle Fever opened. Jungle Fever, yeah, of course. So, yeah. I would have seen you play, there yeah, you which is just a you know, small world, small scene. We're all connected, <laughs> yes, yeah, well, small scene, and yeah, so we're all connected somehow in some weird way, yeah. Nah, look, so, so that, you gone? that show for me was just, it was a real game changer because like I was at uni, I was really trying to make an effort to see more bands, like lots of local bands as well, like bands like Rex Banner and Like Alaska and um, Between the Devil and the Deep. Like I was really trying to make an effort to get out there and go and see shows because I kind of had that realisation that if I'm not seeing shows and networking and talking to people, then no one's going to care about who my band is. So that was the kind of theory behind it as much as just the love of, you know, singing along and and seeing live music. So there was kind of like, I guess, two motives for doing that. But I remember going to see that Lawrence Arm, I was a massive Lawrence Arm fan um, and that was the first time I'd seen them and just had the best show. Um, Really, really enjoyed it and um, was kind of walking home and just this sort of flood of lyrics kind of came to me and I just went home and, and, and wrote the song. I was like, this is it. So you've written, so you've got three, well, is is Empty Vessels an EP? Is it considered an EP or an album? What? How do you well, view it's it? it's ten tracks. So I call it an album. So it is an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah I of don't course. Think I, I, would, I, I would say I've got three albums and a now very recently a compilation. A compilation, of dem- yeah. Of demos, yeah. Which I think so for, then, for ten years is not a bad effort. <laughs> oh, it's a no. It's a absolutely. It's a it's a fantastic scope of uh, music and yeah, uh, absolutely. So the next two albums, did they? Was there much of a kind of change in style? Like, did you? Was it? Sorry, there was a there was a kind of change in style. Was it just a natural progression thing, or you just wanted to try kind of yeah. something different in songwriting? Or what was the what was I, the thought process? I think at that time I was kind of starting to move away from punk rock a little bit um, and I think now my tastes are definitely more um, your kind of old country, folk, rock, folk, punk. Um, I'm sort of, I'm listening to a lot more of that stuff or I have been in the last sort of three or four years and so I think that is reflected on so the new the latest album calendar year it's got a lot more kind of country elements with like the slide guitar and the fiddle um so i think i think it was just sort of like a natural 
like I still love listening to a great punk rock album, but I I probably I'm not as um I'm definitely not as knowledgeable on bands punk rock bands as I was ten years ago. Contemporary um, ones, contemporary yeah. ones, yeah. Like you, you know, yeah. I I'm definitely not as um across the scene as I used to be. Um, and it's not because I don't like the music. It's just because my my tastes have changed and. I'm sort of yeah and that I think I guess you said that's kind of reflected in the the changing I guess style of my music as well yeah so calendar year was I, th- I thought when you told me when you initially told me about the concept of the album mm-hmm. I was like that's that's incredible do you want to explain the the thought the thought process and just the idea of the actual album itself yeah so calendar year is a um, it was originally going to be 12 tracks but I didn't get one of them finished, so it's eleven tracks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair enough. And each of the songs is about a different kind of. Uh, I call them like days of significance. So like the first track's about New Year's Day. Track two is Australia Day. Track three is St Patrick's Day. Track four is Easter Long Weekend. So each of the tracks is kind of. It's not like about. It's not necessarily like about those days, but it's kind of like. Uh, there's allusions to those days or it's set around that time um and i just kind of want it was more of just a an experiment in songwriting as much as anything like trying to give myself a framework on which to um have an album and, and sort of force myself to write songs about a particular topic it was it was almost a songwriting exercise as much as anything yeah which i think was a you know i think it's a fantastic idea and I, you know, I'm completely biased, but I think it, it's delivered really, like, fantastic. Yeah, look, I was really, really happy with the outcome. Like, I would have... So, originally, the plan was to release it throughout 2016 on the days that that was happening, but I got to track... I did three tracks and then kind of just went, this is too hard. I'm, you know, I was mastering them individually, so it's also very expensive. Um, yeah i can I just, imagine i didn't have the the time or the energy to kind of commit to it and so i sort of put it on the back burner like with the full intention of actually finishing it um and ironically the last song that i wrote for the album happened to be the song that i stopped on that was long weekend so <laughs> i um yeah. that was track four so it you know it took me 18 months to finally get there but like i think had I kept going with it and sort of forced it, I think the end product would have been really disappointing. And I think that it would have really declined kind of in quality throughout the, the track. As, order. Yeah, as the yeah, album went on. Yeah. Which I didn't really like even. So it's I, the final version of track three, which is um, called dressed in green, feeling blue. If you find like the original version that I released, it doesn't have like, um, harpsichord like it's very raw and um, it's it's it doesn't match the first two tracks and I think it was because yeah. it was a bit rushed and so even at that point I was like starting to compromise on stuff and going oh that'll do I just want to get it out there but in the end I kind of went no 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 I've set a really high bar with the first two tracks I can't just let this slide otherwise it's going to be a really kind of a bit of a letdown for myself are the other were there many demos from that on the on the demo album, on the you know demos and B sides album you just released, yeah. So Did I think there was maybe I think every track on that had a um, a demo. Um, at that point, I was kind of not demoing as 
Um, so I was doing more like garage band demos just because I like it got to the point where I was really tired of just unpacking all the, like I don't have a permanent studio set up so I had to like unpack all my gear and so it just kind yeah. of got to the point where I was like Gets I'm arduous. just going to do some garage band demos and sort of be happy with that um, there was a few there's a few on there like Long Weekend and um, Every Dog that they are almost they're demos but they're almost like alternate versions of the song like they could have I was I wasn't happy with how those songs were going, so I was like trying to re-record different versions to try and just change it up a bit. And I was actually like really happy with how they turned out, but they just didn't end up going on there. So yeah, makes sense. So you know, before we pick your last song, have mm-hmm. you got anything you want to plug or you know all that kind of? I'm over the moon that you've started playing live again after you know you pretty much. You didn't play a whole lot in 2017. Is that a fair assessment? I think I did 2000. What are we now? 2019. 2017. Sorry. 2018. Sorry. 2018 was what I meant to say. Yeah. I think I've done, I think I did two shows in 2018. Um, and I'm very keen to get back and play some more now. Like I've been playing a lot at home um, and trying to rework some old songs to just playing solo again. Yep. Um and so I played a show at Crowbar the other day, which was really, really fun. Um, yeah, good. And uh, I got some footage, actually, so I'll try and put that up soon. Please um, do. Looking forward to that. Yeah, it was just good to get back on stage. And there was, like, all these uh, all these people that I hadn't seen in ages um, kind of showed up, which was really nice as well, and just got to catch Fantastic. up and just kind of felt like I was kind of back in the game a little bit, which is, yeah, that was a nice feeling. So kind of good. feeling feeling inspired and motivated. Good to hear. Very good to hear. Yeah. Alrighty. So the the, I guess the question on most people's lips, what's the last song? So last song. Um, as I said, over the last couple of years, my music tastes have changed a lot, moving away from the kind of punk rock stuff. But I still love folk music or folk rock or folk infused, you know, sort of stuff that still has that kind of punk rock edge to it. So I was tossing up, the first song I was going to pick was um, a song called uh, Cumberland Gap by Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. Um, so Jason Isbell used to play in, uh, was it Drive By Truckers? Have you heard of them? Yes, I have. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So he used to play in that band and he's kind of broken out and gone solo and with the, he's got his own band and stuff. And I saw them, those guys live a couple of months back when they played the Enmore and they were just, just... The, probably the most phenomenal live show I've seen. They were just super tight and sounded flawless. Anyway, so that was like the first one I was going to pick. But then there's another track that um, I think has kind of been my anthem for the last like three or four years um, of music. And that is by an artist called Possessed by Paul James who I came across for the first time when I was in America and saw him on the Revival Tour with like Chuck Reagan and all of those guys. Um, but he put an album out in 2013 called There Will Be Nights When I'm Lonely. And the song that I'm going to pick is called There Will Be Nights When I'm Lonely. Fantastic. What a so, way to end it. Yeah. Cool. Hey, mate, thank you so much for sitting down with me and, you know, I know you're an incredibly busy man, as am I. And I'm stoked we got to do this. 
Mate, it's been fantastic. Thank you for pestering me until uh, we made it happen. Until um, it came, it came about. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is like the. I was looking back through my messages, and I think you've messaged me like three times for this to happen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, we finally, I'm, we finally got there. I'm persistent, if anything. Yeah, you're a good man, Joel yeah. Attenborough. Yeah. Hey, if ever you want to play live as a band, you oh, know, I'm, I'm here for you when you're ready. Let's you just it, give mate. me the call. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? Let's 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 put it to rec- uh, to a recording. Let's make a bit of a a, a goal. Oh, like a verbal agreement. A verbal goal for 2019. Yeah. I would like to do at least one Isaac Graham full band show. Dude, forget yeah. about it. At Lock it one. in. I think we can yep. do that. We've got 12 oh, months. Oh, absolutely. I think yep. uh, we can. Yeah, I think we can do it. Sick. I'm yeah. stoked. Yeah. Hey, we're going to play some new songs. Yes, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. Cool. Oh, like worst case scenario, we can go like worst case scenario. We we tr- we drive to Bellingen, Anita the Purple Carrot, and we play a show there. I'm trying to play the um, uh, the folk festival up there in winter. I just put an application in for that. So it'd oh. be nice if that comes through. Look out. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Let's check it out. Talk to you soon, mate. Pictures in my mind, my 
the friends that we love yeah. And damn Oh, you looking so good In your half-piece and jeans Won't you come my God Please, oh please Know that I will always love you I'm these pictures in my mind, 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 mind Yes, oh yes, there will be nights when I'm lonely As we cross hell's sleep Thank you for making it to the end. Um, again, uh, if you thought this episode was worth a dollar, or if you thought it was worth more, or not, doesn't matter. Um, PayPal.me slash myagepodcast. Send us a buck, send us two. Do whatever you need to do. Like, it's always appreciated. And as I said, yeah, always appreciated. So, um, yeah, cool. We'll see you next month. Stay safe, take it easy. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And a long stem roll Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows that you've been faithful Give or take a night or two Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people just had to meet without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it